Hello, and welcome back. This week for episode 7, I'm joined by Alice Tribe from BirdLife, who is going to be talking with us about the fight against the hunting of migratory birds as they pass through the small Mediterranean island nation of Malta. We discuss cultural challenges, which are making passing legislation so difficult, some dangerous encounters with shotgun-wielding hunters, what makes Malta so important for wider ecosystems, and much more. If you like this episode and would like to follow Alice's work, please follow the links in the description. And if you would like to support us, you can make a donation at restoreourplanet.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, welcome back to Restore Our Planet podcast. With me, your host, Jack Hall. I'm here with Alice. Alice, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good, good, thank you. So Alice is joining us from Malta and she works with BirdLife. So Alice, would you mind starting just by telling us a little bit about your background and how it is you came to do what uh, what it is you're doing? Yeah, sure. Um, So I guess it all started back at university when I did my degree in zoology. And I remember my favourite module at that time was animal law. So after learning more about uh, wildlife legislation, I was, I was quite sure that I wanted to have a career focused on wildlife crime. And um, straight after university, there was an internship that came up for BirdLife Malta. And I joined the conservation team for a year back, back in 2010. Um, so I had one year of experience already with BirdLife Malta. And then um, I actually had three and a half years as well in the RSPB um, investigations team. So I've worked on raptor persecution issues in the UK. And then the job for um, conservation officer came up at BirdLife Malta in 2017. And I I decided I'd like to go back because after just one year, I didn't feel like I achieved as much as I wanted to. And um, there are many issues to tackle in Malta. So when the job came up, I decided to go for it and I was successful. So four years later, I'm still still there, um, still lots to do. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically a nutshell of how I got to be in Malta. Yeah, brilliant. No, it's a, it's a nice, nice, little, nice little introduction. So Alice, tell us a little bit about the migratory bird situation um, in Malta and why Malta is so important. Because often it's not a, it's sort of obviously quite small. So it's often sort of overlooked when we think about um, these kind of things. So what's the what's the background of the migratory birds situation over there? Um, so, yes, as you pointed out, Malta is a, is a very small island, but it's very important in terms of bird migration. So it's actually a very important migratory stopover for many, many species as it lies on the central and the eastern um, Mediterranean flyway. So you have birds going from their northern breeding grounds in, in Europe going to the southern wintering grounds in Africa. So many species use Malta as a place to stop and they rest and refuel before they continue on with their journey. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those places where you see many birds at certain times of the year, but then the rest of the time, basically it's, it's just the resident species. So um, from a birding point of view, it's, it's, it's also quite an interesting place to be. Absolutely brilliant. And, and why has it become such a such an issue in terms of, of hunting? And what's what's the background there? So um, Malta has a very long-standing tradition of hunting, unfortunately. 
it actually has the highest number of hunters per square kilometre in Europe. So um, off the top of my head, I think it's 36 hunters per square kilometre. It basically equates to 12,000 hunters, uh, which yes. it's, it's, it's a lot for such a small island. <laughs> so basically this, this long-standing tradition means that most people you come across here either they're a hunter or they have a hunter in their family it's that mm. ingrained brilliant and and just to unpack it a little bit more what what's for example how many birds are we talking about here being being hunted uh well so in so Malta is the only country in the eu that still allows the spring hunting season um and in the spring only the common quail is allowed to be hunted but in the autumn, which is uh, we're, we're part of the autumn hunting season right now, um, it's open for five months of the year and they're allowed to shoot 40 species legally. So as you can imagine, this, this last week, it's been very busy here because now is the time we have uh, strong migrations for uh, song thrush, starling, skylark, and these are all legal to shoot, unfortunately. So, you know, coming from the UK, which is where I'm from originally, these are all species that are massively in decline, in their red, red status for conservation concern. So even though it's legal, I still don't enjoy <laughs> the fact that these birds are being shot and, and in very high numbers as well in the autumn. Okay, so how is the hunting practices, I mean, have they, is it increasing? What's the general trend there? Are more people doing it? Less? What's the... What are the main sort of uh, trends there? It's a good question. Uh, the, the numbers of hunters themselves seems to be quite stable from year to year, but we do also have an issue with bird trapping as well. So mm. the bird trapping season has just opened and we have 4,000 registered trappers. Um, it seems to be slightly declining. And I think it's because purely the fact that to, to be a bird trapper, you have to wake up early and you have to spend lots of hours for long hours sitting in a, in a So this doesn't really um, appeal so much to the younger generation as, as opposed to the older generation. So it does seem to be kind of naturally dying out. Mm. But hunting still appeals to all ages. So that's, that's why the numbers of hunters seem to be quite stable. Trapping seems to be declining. And Alice, could you go into a little bit about, I mean, the actual hunting practice, like some of the details in terms of what these hunters actually do and, and the trappers as well? What is it that, what is their general kind of pattern? Like, do they get up really early and just blast as many as they can? Or what do they do? Do they hide in the bush with us, you know, making duck noises? How does it, how does it work? <laughs> um, so it varies between the spring and the autumn. So just, just to give you an idea, the last week, been out in the field and I saw many hunters still out as late as midday they are allowed to shoot up until two hours after sunset so technically they can be out (laughs) before so it's two hours before sunrise and two hours after sunset so even dark you can have hunters out and I had hunters using electronic callers to lure in birds illegally because um you, can, you cannot use le- electronic callers for hunting purposes. But I, I had them playing song thrush callers. Um, yeah, you, 
you, this, uh, I did notice a high density just in the last week because of the migration of song thrush. So, um, and, and do, you, do you want me to explain a bit about the, uh, the trapping? Yeah, please. Okay, so for the trapping, it's, it's different to maybe other people may imagine. So for example, we don't have an issue with lime sticks in Malta, but it's, it's more a case of uh, trappers sitting in stone hides. And what happens is they have a pair of clap nets, and these are nets that are made on the ground, and they're hand operated. So usually what you will see is you'll have cages uh, with live birds dotted around the site, and then they may have live birds as well in the middle. And sometimes you may even see um, a live bird that's tethered by a string, which they oh, goodness me. forced to fly, basically. So you see the bird flapping in the air. Oof. This will lure in, um, you know, it's um, species of a, the same species basically flying over. They will get forced to believe that it's a safe area for them to land. So then they'll come down and the trapper will pull the string and the nets will get fired over them. Right. And ju just, yeah, no, absolutely. Just for, just for those listening who might not know what a lime stick is, which you just mentioned, it's, it's essentially a stick, obviously, sort of put in, well, I, I don't know, is it, oh, you probably know better than I do. But that, would you mind going into <laughs> yeah. it a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's, it's more an issue in countries like Cyprus and Spain, but uh, I've also done a bit of work in Cyprus. Where and, and I saw the lime sticks. So they use um, basically it's it's from plums, a kind of plum, and they they make it sticky. So they put they put it on sticks and they will put these in trees and bushes. So when birds land on the sticks, they they get stuck basically. And and the more they struggle, the more stuck they get. So you, mm. I've come across birds where their their legs and their feathers get <coughs> stuck, and there's nothing they can do. So um, the good thing about the sticks in Cyprus, at least, is they are the the, the glue is water soluble, so you can really um, remove the birds fairly easily. But in other places like Spain, they, they use an oil based um, glue, so it's it's not water soluble. Not, not, obviously, it's, one is not better than the other, but that's of course okay. So. It's a bit of a nightmare, basically, is what you're uh, what you're telling us. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so how? So, okay. So, when, when talking about you know yourself and bird life, what ex what specifically is some of the work that you've you've been doing? What is your sort of day to day? I, I mentioned I noticed um, um, the other day when we were gonna we did organise this podcast. You we had to postpone it because I think you said you'd just you'd come across 200 confiscated finches and you had to deal with that situation so tell us a little bit yes. about your sort of your day-to-day -day and the challenges there yes uh, I, I think that's that's one reason why I still enjoy this job actually because no day is the same and as much as I want to try and plan my week I, I can never do it basically because as, as you know from trying to arrange this podcast with me um so yes the 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 finch so so the, the trapping season opened on the 20th and the Maltese government were able to push through a derogation for finch um I, I'll call it catching it's it's apparently different because basically they they've put it under a guise of scientific research whereby the trappers will catch the finches and check to see if any have been ringed from other countries um, including within Malta itself. 
and then they're gathering information on these birds to see their migratory routes. Um, but I, I say I say under the guise because we we have evidence to suggest that they are not actually releasing all of the birds they're catching. And the fact that already in October we've had to deal with 350 confiscated finches, it suggests otherwise. Yeah. So yeah, um, I've been quite busy this last week. Please keep. Was. <laughs> and, and and tell me how is it? Because I, I remember speaking to um, someone in a similar role as yourself in Cyprus, and at least I, I, th- I think so. Um, and they were they were telling me about what it's like, sort of confronting some of these hunters. You know, obviously, you know us green eco, uh, quite sort of like to think peace loving people, sort of you know running at these sort of guys with big guns and and things do, do you get a lot of uh should we say confrontations in your in your work um i actually i i would say it's got slightly better compared to how i remember it in 2010 when i was here for that that year um i more incidents back then of so i remember um bird ringers they would have They'd have a session bird ringing to come back and find that their cars had been burnt out and um, things like that. So really quite extreme. Yeah. Whereas, you know, 11 years later, I would say maybe it's not that bad. We still cross verbal abuse, um, a lot of online abuse, of course. And occasionally you get the, the odd one where, um, so for example, our colleagues at CABS, they, they had an incident where, one of their cars was actually shot at like a year ago um, and they had the, the backlights damaged. But I, I, would, I would say it's, it's got slightly better compared to the past. But, and, and I think this is because of the referendum that they had back in 2015. I don't know if you know about the referendum. Um, a little bit, would you, but would you mind um, just illustrating it a little bit? What happened there? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so there was a, a nationwide referendum on spring hunting. So the, the public were given the choice whether to keep spring hunting or whether to, to abolish it forever. As I say, Malta is the only country in the EU that still has spring hunting. So it's always been a, a controversial um, hunting season. And unfortunately, the Maltese voted to keep spring hunting, but only by 2,000 votes. So I think it was a wake-up call to the hunting lobby for the first time they, they really realised that actually their hobby is not that popular in Malta, not as popular as maybe they thought it was. So in 2015, 2016, 2017, we saw a, a real decline in the numbers of um, injured protected species that were re- retrieved by BirdLife Malta as well. So it was, it was almost like the hunting lobby were trying to behave, basically, and put themselves in a good light. So I think that's maybe why the aggression side has toned down a bit. But uh, I, I still, I wouldn't yeah. say that it's gone completely. Okay, okay. Often with these practices, you mentioned that they've been hunting these birds in Malta for uh, a very long time. I've noticed that with a lot of other practices that, should we say, have um, a bit notorious, should we say, things like bullfighting and, and and things of that ilk, you tend to find the pushback is, this is traditional, this is our culture, we've been doing this forever. And they tend to, 
a lot of the pro uh, people, they seem to that seems to be one of the, the I would say well, not few arguments. Obviously, I'm being I'm generalizing, but is it similar in Malta that when you when these people is is the conversation is it one way you know stop killing these birds they're important um, it's a little bit uh, inhumane let's stop doing this versus we've been doing this for forever um is, is that is that kind of how the the conversation goes on traditional yeah. versus sort of you know new new lines i i would say so yes but there's there's still many people here who who focus too much on the tradition side or the cultural side they would see it as an attack on tradition if, if it was to be abolished completely and coming in as a, a foreigner as well it doesn't help because you know, I'm, I'm that outsider coming in, telling them they can't do something, and uh, that never really goes down too well. But we, we do struggle uh, quite a bit in, in Malta because there's there's still many people, local people, who um, they're, they're too worried of repercussions, basically. As I say, there's this ingrained, so either they, they, they know a hunter or they have a hunter in their family, or some, someone close to them anyway might, might be in that. Um, connected to hunting so there is a reluctance as well um i've noticed from the locals to to really speak up or get involved with our work so um um sorry what, what was your original question no no it's okay you, you are you are actually answering um oh, okay. great uh <laughs> no i was basically saying in essence what are the the pro hunting arguments why are these people so ah, difficult okay. to you know to dislodge from their traditions as it were yes uh, well yeah so it, it is a yes when the referendum happened a lot of people actually voted to keep spring hunting and their reason was because they thought it was a tradition that was worth keeping but the same people a few years later are now saying actually if they had the chance to vote again they would vote differently because now they've they've woken up and they've realised the damage that the hunters actually do, not just to um, local environments, but also to Malta on an international scale. And each other's cars by the sound of it. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> okay. Um, right. That's, that, that leads me nicely. I was then going to, I'd like to ask you a little bit about the, you know, the ecosystem uh, impact. Um, yeah. yeah. If you'd like to unpack that a little bit. Sure. Um, it's really difficult to go for a walk anywhere in the countryside here without seeing signs of hunting or trapping. And it's a real shame, I think. So um, basically we, we had a look at all of the trapping sites across Malta and Gozo and put together, it basically equates to the same size as Valletta, which is the capital city of Malta. So you imagine a very small island, that much land is being used just for trapping. Um, mm. And it is a, it is a, they are destroying the, the habitat basically because most of the trapping sites are built on the Rig, which is a very important habitat here. Um, it's, do you know what Garig is? A what, sorry? Garig, that's the name. Garig, I don't, but please, I, I'm, I think I'm about to find out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just trying to think what I can compare it to in the UK, it might maybe something similar to Heathland, where there's there's no trees as such, but it's it's very short habitats with lots of flowers and um so here one of the main plants would be thyme. 
so uh, it's quite rocky and short vegetation. I'm, I'm not really sure how <laughs> to describe it, but it's Mediterranean heathland, something like yes, that. Should we go with? Okay, let's call it that. Yeah. So it's it's a very okay. important habitat. Okay. It, it's it's been destroyed basically for right. trapping sites. Right. And okay. A lot of the trapping sites also appear on Nature 2000 uh, zones, which are protected areas. Um, so yes, it's it's having a big impact, and, and also uh, one one other thing to mention is the hunters plant eucalyptus trees, and this is a non-native tree species, and as, as you'll know, it's native to Australia, so it's definitely not supposed to be a malta. But they they favour it because it's fast growing and it provides cover all year round. And the whole purpose of those trees being there is to give shelter or give cover to birds. And then they they flush them out and they shoot them. Oh, blimey. Okay. Um, All right. So zooming out a little bit, what is it? So we're obviously talking about, you know, migratory birds here. What's the kind of the wider eco impacts of, you know, across you know, North Africa, across Europe. How is this uh, affecting, you know, food chains and, and the other influences that these birds would have on the, the wider ecosystems? Yeah, uh, well, actually, that's just mentioned briefly. Um, this is one point that the hunters quite often bring up, actually, the fact that Malta is such a small island that the damage that they're doing to populations on a you know, kind of a widespread scale is minimal because Malta is so small and they, they will always say stuff like, oh, the numbers of turtle doves being shot in Malta is nothing compared to how many are shot in France and Spain, which is true, but you can't look at it like that. Uh, when you have birds that are declining everywhere, every every bird matters basically. So um, we, we've had some ringing recoveries here. Of, uh, for example, we, we had a an osprey that was shot and it had a German ring on its leg. And this, this bird was actually part of a conservation project uh, project in Germany. So you can imagine the other countries are investing, you know, a lot of money, maybe even millions of money into conserving the species just to have them fly over Malta and get shots. So yeah, it, it, it is, it does have an, an impact. Um, Maybe I should explain actually a bit about what fuels the illegal hunting here. Please. Um, so taxidermy is is one of the main drivers here. So I'm like an osprey. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> um, expect that. Okay. <laughs> Please, go yeah. on. So a lot of the hunters here, they will have their personal collection of birds in their house. So if, if you're a hunter and your main goal is to basically collect birds they will therefore want every single plumage type of honey buzzard. And um, I pick honey buzzard because they're so variable. So you can get them almost white um, to really dark brown. So they will want every color plumage. So this, this kind of drive is, is what is, uh, is the main issue behind illegal hunting. So whenever we have species, like quite charismatic, rare species like um, well, ospreys, we don't get many every year, or eagles, or storks, flamingos, anything like this, anything either big, rare, colourful, um, so even birds as small as, as rollers, for example, because they're very colourful, um, 
they're all targets and it's and it's basically all for taxidermy reasons so did not expect yes. that okay okay <laughs> um that's really interesting okay so alice what are the where's malta going to be on this issue do you think in for example in a decade are things moving i mean you've met, you obviously mentioned the vote um referendum i should say a few years ago and seems although the last things seem to be moving in a, in a positive direction um is that true is that the case for the next decade or so very difficult to say really um of course, of course sorry <laughs> i i would say that for some of the more common species like honey buzzard and marsh harrier we we are seeing fewer of them shots compared to the past where pretty much every single one would get shot down we're no longer in that kind of situation but there is still an issue with as i say the rarer species so um just to give you a small example um my parents came to see me about two weeks ago and i had a call that there was a short-toed eagle so we happened to be in the area so i managed to find the bird and i showed my my mum the bird and it was the first time she'd ever seen a short-toed eagle and minutes after we saw it we actually saw the bird shot shot at three times luckily the bird managed to get away but this this is unfortunately the reality of bird watching in malta um especially if you see a rare species so i don't know really how things will be in 10 years i i think it has to come from education and and the younger generations and um, if we're going to see positive change um, luckily at BirdLife Malta, we do have a really good education team and they, they, they basically try to cover all of the primary schools and they're trying to also increase it to teenagers and young adults. So I think the best hope really is unless, unless the EU, um, you know, clamps down maybe on the spring hunting issue and the trapping issue, then we need the change to come from younger generations and, and hope that they grow up to treat the environment better and to, to realise that these birds are in decline and they're not going to be here forever if we continue like this. Of course, of course. Okay, um, well, Alice, you just mentioned, actually, I just popped into my head, you mentioned education there. Would you like to share a little bit about, um, well, it's your, your turn to, to plug uh, programs or anything you'd like our listeners to to know about sort of programs you have you mentioned you have a volunteer program I think yes um so one one of my jobs at, at BirdLife is to organize uh, two bird monitoring camps every spring and autumn so we cover the main bird migration uh, the the camps are called spring watch and raptor camp so every every year basically I'm looking for volunteers to come and join us and spend time in the countryside and monitor bird migration, but also the illegal hunting as well. So uh, if, if anyone listening wants to get involved, um, please send me an email. Uh, <laughs> we'll mm. put my email address somewhere. Yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll uh, okay. make sure that's all shared. Um, <laughs> and our listeners and viewers. Yeah, they can just visit our website, which is birdlifemalta.org. And um, yes, become a member. There we go. I'm sure you can probably donate there as well. Oh, I yes, imagine. Yes, you can, you there we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alice, thank you. Oh, thank you as well.